Welcome back to the 4A Baseball Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. You have heard the first four of our team profiles, projections, previews, predictions, uh, baseball. And today we're bringing you two more, the Atlanta Braves and Chicago Cubs. I know that's a bit of a janky duo right there, but the Braves kind of just fit best with the Cubs, and that's where we're at today. Uh, I'm really excited to talk about the Braves and the Cubs are a really interesting team. Uh, how are you guys doing today? I'm doing good. I'm excited to talk about these. I feel like we might butt heads a little bit on these, this uh, sensitive topic of the Cubs and maybe even the Braves, but I- I'm ready. Stevs, how are you doing? Uh, I'm excited to talk about both these teams. Um, I think there's a lot of improvement the Cubs made in the offseason. I don't know if it's enough to propel them into the NL Central title, but we'll see how the how it goes. Yeah, so we're going to kick it off today with the Atlanta Braves capping off the National League East. Uh, obviously, last year, the Braves had one of the best stretches in baseball. There was a certain time in the season where they were on pace to win 114 games after a bit of a slow start. Uh, this is what allowed them to take over the National League East and go 101-61. Unfortunately, uh, they kind of flamed out in the postseason, kind of riding the back of their rookie breakout, Spencer Strider, who was injured at the end of the season and could not throw a effective strike against the Phillies. And there's also a Kyle Wright breakout, and there's the real storyline of the Ronald Acuna Jr. injury. Yeah, yeah, I feel like this season is going to be like the story of of the comebacks. I feel like we're looking for a comeback from a couple different players in Albies and Acuna. I feel like they have some pretty heavy weight on them, although this team is very good without them, as we saw last season. Um, but now with the loss of several players in the offseason, it's going to be very important that uh, these players start producing. Yeah, well, it's you definitely mentioned. true. Um, they, no, did, they did lose out, out on a bunch of people um like adam duvall kenley jansen both of them went to the red sox luke jackson he has the giants darren o'day decided to retire uh robbie grosman he went over to the rangers dansby swanson went to the cubs and they traded william Contreras to the brewers all those moves like they lost like a lot of a lot of depth pieces i would say um and then obviously they lost their star shortstop and dansby and they lost their um kind of split time catcher in william Contreras. They ended up getting a catcher back um, in that three-team trade. They got Sean Murphy from Oakland. They signed him to an extension, six years, $73 million. Then they go out, they get Nick Anderson. They get Lucas Litke from the uh, New York Yankees, and then Joe Jimenez from the Tigers. Honestly, I don't think the Braves lost anyone this offseason. I, I would agree with that. I, I would, would just disagree. It's depth. I think I would disagree. The argument it's Swanson or not. It's just how much you value him. So for me, right, I it's you're bringing up a rookie. Yes, you have what what's their Ron Washington, that their infield coach. Yeah, yeah. Um, they have literally like the best infield coach in baseball. So obviously he's gonna help Vaughn Grissom develop a little quicker. And I think I, he's not gonna de- he's not gonna fill Dansby's shoes at this moment. But I definitely think he has the potential to at some point in his career. And I think not signing Dansby Swanson allowed them to be able to ex- extend this offer to Sean Murphy. Um, yeah. And honestly, if I had to make the choice right now, I'd choose Sean Murphy 10 out of 10 times. Uh, their bats are kind of like you can replace one with the other. And it's just what you value more as a defensive shortstop or a defensive catcher. And Sean Murphy's defense is among the best in the league. And yeah. it's difficult to find a catcher nowadays that who who can do that and hit. Yeah, I mean, if I if I'm stacking this team up against the Mets, who is really the only team that's really threatening that spot, maybe the Phillies. But if I'm stacking up against the Mets, there's a lot of uh, you know, p- 
people that you're relying on here to, to come back. I mean, I'm talking about Ronald Acuna and um, Ozzy Albies, obviously. And then the bottom three in this lineup are not um, very good. And, I mean, you can't understate how, how much of an impact William Contreras had before he got traded, obviously. He was a pretty big piece. I mean, I know Sean Murphy coming in is way better than uh, William Contreras, but that's not a very significant difference. I, I think you're losing a, a, a better bat and potentially uh, William Contreras. Uh, Dansby Swanson, obviously losing him is bad, but obviously I think signing him to a long-term deal would have been pretty bad for the club. Um, and then you lost some bullpen pieces, obviously, and I think that's going to be the, the biggest downfall for them. I think they have one of the better bullpens in baseball this season, but I think with losing um, with losing Luke Jackson and Kenley Jansen I, and Darren O'Day, who wasn't as big of a piece, but losing those guys for your bullpen is just not very good, and I, I don't know how that's going to hold up this season. I mean, and I then they went out and really they got Nick Anderson, Lucas Lickie, and Joe Jimenez. I'm not saying, like, those are, like, swappable, but, like, I mean, they did add pieces back, so it's not, like, the end of the world. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you're kind of hoping that Nick Anderson returns to form. I, I like Nick Anderson, but he's just been battling injuries since that since his dominant run in 2020. Yeah, I think I do agree. The bottom of that lineup is probably, like, their biggest hole in 7-8-9. It's right now Marcelo Zuna, Eddie Rosario, and Vaughn Grissom. Um, I could easily see Darno taking over that DH spot on the days he's not catching. Um, I think that yeah, honestly yeah, be a better move. Um, I, they're in, they've got utility players on their bench, which is kind of good. You just have anyone that can fill in anywhere on any given day, and I think that has its benefits. Um, what was I gonna say? The lineup, the top six is among the best in the league. It's probably top five right there with the Astros. Like the Astros are probably a little bit above that top five or top six, excuse me, but. There's very few teams that are better than Acuna leading off, Olsen second, Riley third, Murphy fourth, Michael Harris two, hitting fifth, and Ozzy Albies hitting sixth. Like, that's, that's pretty good right there. Yeah, oh, yeah that's for sure. That's definitely good, especially if Acuna and Albies are back to, to form and, and injuries and stuff like that. I agree. I think Acuna got rushed back, and you clearly saw that. Um is he still stole a ton of bases last year. It's just it didn't really feel like the bat was there. And I think being able to have spring training, being able to get the winter reps he got in, is going to really benefit his transition back. And I think it'll be perfectly fine this year. There's there's reasonably three or four people that could have a, a 40-40 season. Or if not 30 In this 30. lineup? Yeah. In this lineup? Well, or this is just, just it's at Fraser. least three. Yes. Acuna, Harris, always. Yeah, I mean, 40-40 is, like, impossible, but I think 30-30 is like, definitely possible. Definitely 30-30, like yeah. Yeah. And it depends on what type of player Von Grissom is. If he's the type of player we saw kind of when he broke out last year, then, like, there's an opportunity there, but I don't think he's that player. as Not yet, at least. Yeah. I definitely, I definitely agree. Um, so let's head in. We've kind of like touched on their lineup a little bit. So let's talk about their rotation. They got Max Reed, Spencer Strider, Kyle Wright, Charlie Morton, and Mike Soroka, and then Ian Anderson. Um, depending on injuries and stuff like that, he'll probably fill in. What do what do you guys see from this starting rotation? I definitely think it's a deep rotation if everyone performs on the level that the on on the higher end of their level. I think the number five spot's really concerning. Yeah, I think there's reasonable yeah. concern for that number five spot. It's um, I mean Nick Anderson as I mean sorry Ian Anderson has not looked very good, uh, and then obviously Mike Soroka hasn't pitched in like years. So 
that number five spot's gonna be flipping between them, but both of them are not very good right now, and they're both they're both big question marks. I mean, they could easily have a bounce back. They're both very young still, but as of right now, these two these two guys are not are not good enough to be a, a five pitch or five starter. Yeah, we saw in spring training yesterday they had a kid named Bryce Elder who looked really really good. He allowed one hit over three innings. Uh, that's a guy who could definitely compete for that five spot. Um, I can see that. I think having Freed Strider right, or at least I'm gonna retract that. Freed Wright Morton. It's reliability right there. Strider, there's volatility in terms of injury. When he's on the field, you know he's going to strike a ton of dudes out. If he's what he was last year, then this rotation, top five in baseball, at least a top, like the one, two, three of Freed, Strider, right, is a top five in baseball. Uh, Max Freed's right. obviously did, like... Did, hmm? did Strider end up having more than one injury last year, or was it just that one injury that, that concerns you? Because like you, you you keep talking about like a like a, this longevity injury turn injury problem with him but he seems to only have had one injury and he managed to pitch like 160 innings last year he threw 130 innings last year 130? And, oh man yeah and but it's the think about it if you have like a key component of a pitcher that gets injured and doesn't yeah. require surgery like tommy john yeah like it's, they're going to be out for a while but given the updated uh surgery where they're using like almost like a kevlar type tape to repair the ucl like there's some reliability in the fact that you can come back from Tommy Don surgery and be effective. Spencer Strider injured his oblique. And we've seen it's Max Scherzer. It acts up repeatedly. Tyler Glasnow, it acts up, it acts up repeatedly. And he may be young, but he's like a very violent motion. He's got like gigantic quadriceps, but he's not the big, like the tallest person. So you don't know how that bodes for his body. Yeah. Yeah, I guess you, that makes sense putting him at the question mark position. I think I think the other three guys, I mean, the guys in this rotation can fill in the gap for him, but I think he, he will be that that difference maker. I agree. I think Charlie Morton's going to rebound like back to form a little bit. I don't think he's in like a Cy Young candidate anymore, or that three year stretch where he was. But honestly, you're looking like a middle of the rotation guy that's going to give you 200 innings and 200 strikeouts. That's what Charlie Morton is nowadays, and there's a ton of value in that. Um, again, the biggest question mark in that rotation is Strider and the five spot. Is A, we don't know what Mike Soroka is. He's thrown one inning since 2020, and if that inning was in 2020. Um, he didn't look good in the minor leagues last year, and he's injured once again. So, Yeah, man, I, just going back on what you said about Bryce Elder, I think he could very well be ending up in that five position. Um I don't know how deep he goes into games, but you know, if you can get a good four innings out of him every game, he pitches. It's pretty valuable. I agree. And then Stavs, what's that bullpen looking like? That bullpen, uh, it's honestly a deep bullpen. They got Rizal Iglesias, Kirby Yates, AJ Minter, Joe Jimenez, Colin Q, Lucas Lickey, uh, Dylan Lee, and Jackson Stevens. I think we forget how good Rizal Iglesias is. Is he is he their projected closer? Or is it who's their I don't projected know. closer? I don't know. Because like the way looking at these names, it doesn't look like there's a set closer closer. It'd probably which is be fine, though. Or Yates, you don't need a set say. closer. Like if yeah, your best but... bullpen arm can be deployed in the biggest situation, then that's what you should do. Like if Rice Iglesias is the guy and you're in, you know, second and third, one out in the seventh inning, throw in Rice Iglesias. 
Like yeah. that, that's my philosophy on it. I think there's arms that could take over on any given day. Like Kirby Yates, we we haven't really got to see got to see much of his stuff since 2019 when he was dominant with the Padres. Um, but there's opportunity there. AJ Minter could easily fill in or be that leverage guy. Uh, big lefty arm. You saw what he could do in the 2021 postseason. Joe Jimenez, Colin McHugh, all proven arms that at any given time could come in and be incredibly effective. So I don't think this team needs to have a set closer. Yeah, I mean, th- there's more depth than stardom in this bullpen, and that's fine. I think it's going to work for them. I don't think it's going to be the best bullpen in baseball, but I think it's definitely going to work. And I feel like they definitely did a good job at patching the hole left by uh, Kenley Jansen, Luke Jackson, and Darren O'Day uh, now leaving the team. I, I think I think it's going to be a good bullpen. I don't think it compares to the Mets bullpen, um, but it, it, it's it's a good bullpen. I mean, I think it's a very well-rounded bullpen. That's what I I, I'd rather have a bunch of. Uh, I'd rather have a bunch of gold cards than a couple of diamonds and silvers. I, I don't know. know. I don't know. I I disagree with that. But um, unless it's like a unless it's like a the seventy nine battle royale TJ Antone card. Yeah, I mean, you can if you can pick and choose, man. I don't know the, the, yeah. the knuckleballers. Oh God. Dude. Um, so let's get let's get into actually talking about the lineup. This is kind of their projected. They got Acuna out in right, uh, Matt Olson at first, Austin Riley in third, Sean Murphy behind the dish, Michael Harris in center, Ozzy Albies at second. So that's their top six. That's kind of when we were talking about that's like the best top one of the best top six in baseball. After that, it kind of drops off. They got Marzello Zuna probably at DH. Again, like Brad said, we expect kind of Travis Darno to take over that spot because Ozuna is not that good anymore. Um, and then Eddie Rosario on left, Vaughn Grissom at shortstop. Yeah, I think this is a really good lineup. It just needs to – we need to see the depth. The lineup Definitely. has to go around. It needs to be the first inning, first inning and a half. It can't just be that happens, and then the second and third inning are just busts because yeah. seven, eight, nine doesn't do anything. Exactly. Um, their bench uh, outside of Travis Darno has Orlando Arcia, Sam Hilliard, and Jordan Luplo. Luplo. Um, Luplo. Sorry. Um, <laughs> um, it's. I mean, again, like we said, it's kind of just like a well-rounded lineup. They got defense. They got bats. They got. I mean, pretty much everything you want at every position. Um, I think again, you want kind of a better DH, but hopefully Travis Darno can take over. Marcelo Zuna, um, because mm. he's getting up there in age. Vaughn Grissom's young, but um, he will definitely uh, he'll definitely be good at some point in his career. I agree, especially with the yeah. Braves' development. It's it's kind of funny how this team and the Braves is competing with the Mets, who have probably spent what like two hundred million more, yeah, than the Braves. It, it's it's a very well built team, and this is a team that's built to uh, compete for a while. So I think I mean they kind of have raised their guys and then spent all their money on their guys opposed to the Mets just going out and signing others in free agency. Yeah. So it's kind of like, I mean, they're spending just as much, just like, well, not just as much, but like they're using their money to keep their homegrown talent. Unlike the nationals. Um, Outside of that prospects, they have no 50 future value prospects expected in 2023. Um, It really doesn't mean anything. They're the Braves. They will definitely uh be good enough they have one guy whose eta is this year and it's a left-handed pitcher jared schuster yeah um he's 6'3 210 lefty lefty 24 like 
again, we don't really know what to expect from him, or I don't really know what to expect from him. But I definitely think if and if I definitely think the Braves will make him a very very good left handed pitcher. I think um, obviously their prime candidate is not really a prospect anymore. Is Bryce Elder? He threw enough innings last year, like where he lost his rookie eligibility. Um, but he's got four pitches with like well above average vertical movement, and when you have a sinker and cutter with really good carry. I think that's going to be really beneficial, especially when the defense behind you, we know three-fourths of it can be solid. Um, we don't really know what Austin Riley's glove is. It's not very good. Um, and then, obviously, the shift. So, this or Bryce Elder kind of looks like a batted ball in play type person. He only struck out 20% of batters he faced last year. But then again, rookie. So, we're going to see what he is this year. Are you guys ready to get a prediction? Because I'm ready. All right, yeah, Tom, kick us off with your record. All right. Uh, I, I probably have him the lowest here um, at 94 and 68. Uh, is that falling in the same range as you guys? Nope. I have him higher. Hi. Right. Okay. Um. Yeah, I got my team MVP. This <laughs> is a team that's like very, very level across the board. So they're all, they're all pretty good. But I think one guy that's going to stand out is Austin Riley, just as the best bat in that lineup. He is the, as Brad says, the thump bat in that lineup. Um, so I, I think, I think he'll be that difference maker. Uh, as for the most important player, it's gotta be one of the players coming back from injury, but I think the absolute most important player from that injury is going to be Ronald Acuna Jr. And how he comes back this season. We got to see some more power. Slugging was down about 150 last season, obviously biggest, biggest down season and it, it, for, for a regular player. That's not a down season, but for Ronald Acuna, who was on pace to win the MVP before his ACL injury, that's a down season. So we're looking for a comeback from him. Um, Cy Young, I got Max Freed. I think, I think he'll be that guy in the, in the rotation. It could very well go to Spencer Strider, depending how his injury uh, holds up as Brad was talking about. Um, you look at this lineup when you're, when you're talking about a breakout player and you, you really don't know who to pick because everyone is already pretty established. There's only one guy that's not very established and it's Vaughn Grissom. I mean, there's only, that's the only guy I feel like I can pick. There's no one else. I mean, you can say like, do re-breakouts count? Because, I mean, I would say Ronald Acuna will re-break out. Sure. But he's already well-established. I'm going to say Ronald Acuna is going to re-break out um, just because there's no other really young players in this lineup because everyone's pretty established already. I mean, last year I had uh-huh. pools for the Cardinals. Was my prediction. <laughs> That's valid, though. It ended up working. Yeah. I know. That's, um, like, one of my only ones that did. <laughs> I have – um. I have them being a few clicks higher than Tom. I'm going 98 and 64, also second in the East. Um, MVP, I went with Ronald Acuna Jr. Um, I'm not as high on Austin Riley as Tom is. I, I don't. I mean, I don't dislike what he brings to the table, but again, like we talked about, I think also Ronald Acuna Jr. is the most important piece. So your most important piece, and he's your he is your franchise guy. He's kind of the face of the franchise at this point. Um, so he kind of needs to have that bounce back most important, uh, VP type season. Um, Cy Young, I went with Spencer Strider. I think he's going to fight through that oblique injury at any cost. Um, he's going to do whatever he can to stay out on the field as much as possible. Um, and breakout, I, I mean, again, we talked about, I guess, re-breaking out. Um, and I was going to go with Ozzy Albies because I think, um, him, uh, like we've talked about him along with, uh, Ronald Acuna Jr., the two most important, uh, pieces kind of like to have those bounce back type seasons. And since we've already talked about Acuna a bunch, I think Ozzy Albies needs to have his breakout season, free breakout season. 
That's fair enough. Um, I am the only one of us that has the Braves winning the division, which is really confusing considering their track record over the past couple of years. Um, uh, I have Austin Riley as their MVP. I drink Austin Riley Kool-Aid because he is the thump. Uh, he's one of the best bats in the league. He arguably is a top, I'd say top four offensive third baseman. Um, putting right in that category of Rafael Devers and Alex Bregman, Alex Bregman's on. Uh, that's what our third baseman projections reflected. Um, for Cy Young Award, I also went with Max Fried. I mean, it's he's going to be in the Cy Young conversation. It's a pre, it's given at this point. Uh, for breakout, I wanted to go with Bryce Elder because I don't think Soroka or Anderson will be healthy, and we've been talking about him all episode. So let's give him a little bit of Kool Aid. And then most important, I had either Acuna or someone else. Uh, and since you guys have both taken Acuna, I will take Spencer Strider because if Spencer Strider does not return to form, this is really bad for the Braves. Uh, did I say their record? You I, no, you didn't. You, you didn't just said they, they were going to go first. Okay. Uh, I have about 101 in the 61, same exact record as last year. I don't think this team got any worse or any better. And so that puts them at 101 and 61. Here's the difference. Here's the difference. It's definitely I talk really quick. Yeah, this team did not get game. this team did not get worse or any better, but the other teams in the division all got better. They so, don't have to play their division as much. I I know, but but it's it's not gonna it's I'm telling you it's not gonna balance out. And you also like you mentioned, they lost a lot of guys. They got some guys back. I think they're slightly worse, if anything, than last year. And that 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 slightly worse is still gonna be in that upper nineties range. I think ninety four is cutting them pretty low. But the, the the other teams in this division have just gotten so much better. I definitely agree with Tom's or Tom. Tom is way too low, and I think I don't think you're way too high. I think you're about on track. Um, but I think the the big thing with them is that. Uh, they, like we've said, they haven't gotten better. They haven't gotten worse, but it's just a matter of, they were streaky last year, kind of like they got hot at the right time and then they cooled off again at the worst time. But it's a matter of, are they going to be streaky or are they going to be more consistent? Cause if they're streaky again, I don't know if that that'll lead to the same type of result as a one one and 62 record or 61 record. I think having this core together for another season is going to be really beneficial to the Atlanta Braves. Um, we've talked about how that everyone has signed to a ridiculously team-friendly contract and donated 1% of their earnings to the Atlanta Braves Foundation. Um, this is going to be the second year around where they donate 1% of their earnings to the Atlanta Braves Foundation, it feels like. Um, that whole core is there, and it's even it's got more solid. Like, Albies, Olsen, Riley, Murphy... Harris and Acuna are all locked up in the field. That's two positions of the starting eight on the field that aren't locked up. I think that's pretty effective. And I think their ceiling, honestly, I will say their ceiling is not as high as the Mets. I think their ceiling is like a 103 win team, but it's about their floor is about where Tom's record is 92 to 94 wins. I would say 92 to 94. I think Tom kind of lowballed the Braves, but that's kind of consistent with what he's been talking about the entire episode yeah tom do you agree with that floor yeah i feel like i feel like i put them at the floor like i I put them at their lowest and i i don't i I think i did that because my predictions are going in this world where the mets are the best team in the east and the braves are the second best and the phillies are the third um and i feel like you can't you can't have a repeat of last year last year was very rare you don't usually see two teams in one division going 
over 100 wins other than the Giants and Dodgers in 2021. I haven't seen that. We haven't seen that very often. So I don't I don't see it happening again for a while. I think one team is going to run away with this season, and I think it's going to be the Mets. It could be the Braves, though. These teams have high ceilings. Uh, Braves and Mets with a little bit higher ceiling. But I, I think the Mets – God. Okay, sorry, Brett. I'm sorry. Can we make a cut you're there? Okay. I'm you're sorry. Okay. I'm sorry. Okay. Just keep going. Um, shit, I gotta collect my thoughts because this motherfucker stares is just staring at my. He gets so close to talking. Because I'm listening. <laughs> I'm actively listening. Freaking, yeah. you're like, you're like, it hasn't happened. And both teams haven't won in forever or won a hundred over a hundred games, except for the Dodgers and Giants, which was you know two years, so two times in the last three years. But like you know, we don't talk about it. But but yeah, but but it hasn't it hasn't really happened other than those two instances. I, I think these teams are both powerhouses. The NL East is a powerhouse in itself, so I I, I it could go any way. And that's the thing: the Phillies, Braves, or the Mets could all win the division. It's it's going to be very close. I put the Braves at the floor because in my instance of the uh of my predictions i have the mets being the team that runs away with it that's fair enough i think their volatility is like medium to low like yeah i think we know this is going to be a very good team i think of the phillies mets and braves the braves are the highest like the highest mean value if that makes sense like yeah that that makes sense yeah like if things go wrong i think they're still at least in my eyes, they're still better than the Mets going wrong and the Phillies going wrong. Yeah, and and they definitely have a lot of experience, you know, running the East. Um, they've been doing it for a while, so it, it's gonna, it's not, it's gonna, it's gonna be good for them. I think, I think their absolute floor is ninety four wins. Uh, I don't see it physically possible uh, for them losing, uh, for them winning under ninety games. Yeah. All right, Steves. Any final thoughts on the Atlanta Braves? No, nah, I think we've covered everything top to bottom. I think uh I think it's time to get into the Chicago Cubs. All right. Um, I'm honestly kind of excited to talk about the Cubs because they made a lot of offseason moves after kind of a lackluster season last year. Uh I would mention what their previous season was, but there was really nothing to it. Like I think that's the best way to put it. Like the uh, Wilson Contreras is gone. And did they even have anyone left to trade at the trade deadline? Like, they didn't move him. They didn't move Ian Happ. No, it was him and Happ. And then they decided to hold on to both of them. And then they let uh, let Contreras walk, which apparently he feels he's in a better organization that wants to win or whatever. That's what he's required to say by gunpoint. That's fair, I guess. Um, let's let's talk about their offseason moves. Uh, Wilson Contreras, he has the St. Louis. Wade Miley goes to Milwaukee. Jason Hayward goes to the Dodges, and apparently, like, yes, he's made some really big adjustments to his swing. And uh, Dodgers camp is loving it so far in spring training. Yes, uh, and sir. then Frank Schwindel heads out to Japan. Fred, I said Frank. Oh, I heard Fred. I said Frank. I'm sorry, <laughs> I said Fred. Frank. Fred. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Um, <laughs> Let's let's now let's get talk about what they got in. They got Cody Bellinger, sent him to a one year twelve point five million dollar deal. Brad Boxberger, uh Dansby Swanson, Jameson Tyone, Drew Smiley, Tucker Barnhart, Eric Hosmer, Trey Mancini, Michael Fulmer, and then they acquired Julian Merriweather off waivers from Toronto. Um obviously their biggest signing in the offseason was Dansby Swanson to a seven year hundred and seventy seven million dollar deal. Um, lock up him for the next seven years. Kind of, he's now the face that he's the face of the Chicago Cubs. Um, also go out get a two starter in Jamison Tyone. Um, 
I definitely think as we get deeper into this, their uh, their pitching is going to be their weakness, um, along with uh, their kind of they have a, they've signed a bunch of guys that are trying to have bounce back type seasons. They kind of did it for a couple different guys, one year prove it deals, see how they play. Yeah, I mm. am ready to hate on the Cubs. <laughs> this is a team who just got a bunch of washed players. I don't think they're going to be that good. You're 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 relying on too much. And, and and we'll get into when we talk about the lineup. I have like a thing to hate on about everyone. <laughs> um, you can list me as the Chicago Cubs number one hater. I just don't think this is the right way to do it. I think I think they have good pieces coming up. Brad, we'll talk about the young guy that you wrote down. Um, I think he's gonna be one of the better players. But um, the the team's not ready yet. I don't think I don't, the young once the young guys come up, this team is kind of a threat to the central. And when I say kind, I mean like not actually. They're going to finish second, but right now they're not even in that conversation. I don't think they're even in the conversation of winning the central. I think they are a third place no, team. No, it's 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 Cardinals and then it's Brewers Cubs. That's where it stands. Yeah, I, yeah. Just go ahead and keep going because I'm um, ready. To so let's we'll talk about Cardinals Brewers in a little bit. We'll talk about them later this week. <laughs> Uh, let's kick off rotation. Uh, we got Marcus Stroman, Tamis, Jameson Tyone, uh, Justin Steele, Drew Smiley, and Adrian Sampson. Kyle Hendricks is injured. He's kind of what he's the only guy from that 2016 championship team. Hap. Is he the only, he's the only one left? Ian Hap. Um, oh, okay. Um, and then bullpen, you got Brandon Hughes, Michael Fulmer, Brad Boxberger, Adbert Alzali, uh, Rowan Wick, Julian Merriweather, Michael Rucker, and uh, Keegan Thompson. They got Cody Hewer and Ethan Roberts. Uh, those two are both injured as well. Uh, what do we What do we see from this pitching staff? Because if I'm being honest, it's not a lot. Um, I think Marcus Stroman needs to have a bounce back season. Um, he was not crazy last year. Um, but where Where are we at with them? So, so James Italian, as Brad mentioned before in the past, he's a project. He's he has the potential to be good. Do the Cubs have the the uh, the facilities to do this? Um, looking at their pitching from the last five years, no, they do not have the facilities to do this. Um, when your starting pitcher one is Marcus Stroman, you know you know something's going pretty bad. Um, it feels like two Jim's two. Italian. Yeah, they're it's... both no. That's a three three maybe. Drew Smiley's bad. Adrian Sampson's bad. Justin Steele will be very good. I like Justin Steele. Brad, what do you think about Justin Steele? Um. I kind of I watched some of his starts last year. I think it was just he was always pitching when I was watching a team play the Cubs. Uh, I wasn't the biggest fan of his last year, but I could see a lot of potential there. Like he was one of those guys that like, kind of concerns me though, where it just looked like everything was moving, but I don't know if it was like effectively moving or like where you could easily differentiate the pitches moving. Um, I was a little bit concerned with that walk rate, but he's gotten some peripherals that kind of back it up. Like he's got a really low exit velocity. It's just like uh, a lower career strikeout rate to a pretty high walk rate is a little concerning. Uh, but honestly, expect that ERA doesn't hate him, which is nice to see. Uh, I'm just trying to find his ground ball rate. Yeah, he's a ground ball pitcher. Uh, so yeah, he's, he's a soft be, contact guy. Yeah. Yeah. So it's going to be, you know, is that infield behind him? What's it? It's Trey Mancini or Eric Hosmer at first. You got Swanson at shortstop. It's going to be like his big piece if Swanson can play to what he was last year or even 70% of that Patty wisdom at third, not the best Nico Horner and Dinsby up the middle. That was probably the best defensive duo up the middle in all of baseball. For sure. So, and there's I definitely some speed there him. too. 
Yeah, I think Dustin Steele, in my eyes, might actually <laughs> might be my Cy Young for them. Uh, and Michael Fomer and Edward Alzali could also slot into the rotation if needed. I like yeah. Alzali. I think he still has time to develop. How old is he? I think he's in his mid-20s. Above. So yeah, he's he's got a little bit more time to develop. I I don't know if Chicago's the right spot for him, but um, that's where he's at. Let's hope they can make him into something. Yeah, I, I, this might be a little out of order, but do you want to talk about the prospect that might take that that one of those positions in the uh, starting rotation? Yeah, sure. So his name is Hayden Wisniewski, and um, honestly, Fangraphs released this new updated prospect list, uh, and there were some teams that like genuinely didn't have anyone. The Cubs had a good amount of people, but the real only like one that looks like they're going to be effective in 2023 is Hayden Wisniewski. Uh, he was up last year for 33 innings and he got 0.9 F4 in it, which really isn't horrible for someone who's just making their first splash in MLB. He had a really low expected ERA at 218, which actually matched his exact ERA. And he's labeled as a medium risk by fan graphs, which means that like there's some reliability to that. Obviously a 218 expected ERA would have put him in the best in baseball. Uh, I don't think he's that. But it's just nice to see that there's a lot of pitches with above average movement and that kind of play off each other. Like his cutter and sinker are going to tunnel really well. Uh, the slider, could, if it was a bit faster on all, honestly, I think it'd be a bit more effective. And the changeup seems to really play off that cutter sinker duo because it's only two or three mile an hour slower. So although 92 and 93 don't really flash, like they're not flashy anymore, this guy with a good command and a good guy with good pitch movement is going to be really beneficial to a Cubs rotation that has a lot of question marks besides it yeah and Brad, we talk you, you like going into like the the actual pitches and like diving into like the horizontal movement his his slider was seventh in baseball in horizontal movement that's like com- comparable to like sunny gray and you know like actually shohei otani's slider that they have he has a very good slider i think that's kind of his pitch i mean i wouldn't be surprised if they gets like just looking at the movement profile i wouldn't be surprised if they get if that gets relabeled as a sweeper yeah and I'm so I'm assuming the sinker is the reason he gets that soft contact, right? Yeah, that sinker cutter probably because the thing with the sinker is it's really good against right-handed hitters. Because think about it, you can saw them off, you can get them on a back door on the outside corner. With lefties, the sinker is really not as effective unless you can spot it up perfectly, uh, which is really difficult to do. That's why a lot of, like you'll see a lot of people nowadays starting to throw their cutters because you need a, a bridge pitch. You can be throwing 91 and 81. But if you get down for the fastball and you have an extra second, you know it's the slider. So that's why cutters are getting more and more effective for two reasons. One, they're that bridge pitch. And second, it's a right versus lefty pitch. You can get in the hands of a lefty. Yeah. And um, there's another young guy that I kind of wanted to mention. I was just trying to research. Is Jeremiah Estrada in that conversation? Because he was very good in the minors. He came up last season, wasn't crazy in the pros, but he was very good in the minor leagues. I think he had like a 40% strikeout rate in the minor leagues throughout AAA, AA, single A. Came up in the majors, was um, not ineffective. He still had all the stuff, um, but he only pitched five and two-thirds innings. So I- I'm curious what your report on him is. I think if there's any bright spots in this lineup, it's going to be the young guys coming up. I don't, I don't know about relying on the uh, bounce back seasons. I'm kind of looking more towards Wesneski and um, Estrada here. Yeah, I think what we have to talk about with the Cubs. You mentioned it earlier is we're looking for a lot of rebounds and breakouts. Like that's what this team is. In order for them to hit a 86 win ceiling or wherever we put them at for their ceiling, everyone needs to hit their breakout potential. 
And a guy, a guy like Jeremiah Estrada, he's a reliever thrown through. And he did strike out 12.71 batters per nine innings in the major leagues last year. That's pretty good. He stranded a lot of people on base, which was kind of actually out of his normal for minor leagues last year. Uh, he relied a little bit more on the fly ball. But you know what? It looks promising for the Cubs other than the exit velocity. Um, that's a little concerning. Um, but you know what? Everyone has their fallacies, especially when he's only thrown five and a two-thirds professional innings. So. I, I like it. Yeah, I, can see I feel it. like. Yeah, it's a pretty common theme amongst power pitchers to just get shelled sometimes. I mean, like that, that's how it seems to be like high strikeout numbers, high exit velocity. They seem to be a, a pair in the pros. Um, But I think I think he's going to have to come up in this bullpen because I don't I don't see much going on in the bullpen. Have we covered everyone in this bullpen yet? I mean, there's not much think, to cover in all honesty. Yeah, yeah, we've uh, touched on all of them. So I'm gonna take a good bridge. Um, it's a guy like talking about prospects. I want to talk about Pete Crow Armstrong. He's not gonna come up this season. Um, but he's definitely moved very, very quickly through the Cubs, uh, organization since being acquired in that that was in the Javi Baez trade. Um, I definitely could see him as ETA is 2024. I could see him getting like a couple plate appearances in at the very end of the year, especially if. The Cubs are not in the race and they end up trading a bunch of their kind of one one year prove it people um, to try and get anything. Um, so I could definitely see him getting some at bats in at the end of the year. What do you guys think about that? I can see September call up for sure. I also yeah. think it depends on what they're. I think a lot of the story of the Cubs season is how they perform in the first half because if they aren't winning, but they have a couple guys who are performing well by the trade deadline, this is a team that hopefully will be sellers and that would yeah. give Pete Crow Armstrong what two and a half months to come up and get some major league at bats then again he did only play through a plus ball last year um so yeah. obviously if he excels through the minor leagues and maybe even he's only at double a like but he's effective in double a he can come up and get some major league at bats it just depends on whether they want to start his timer or not and I don't think they want to start his timer quite yet but he's yeah. also 20 he still has a lot to do. Um, but speaking about that, let's get into their lineup. They got Nico Horner leading off at second base, Dansby Swanson at short, uh, Ian Happ in left, Trey Mancini's their projected DH, and Eric Hosmer's their first baseman. They'll go at the four and six spot in the lineup. Uh, Cody Bellinger, uh, he'll probably play in center. Um, Patrick Wisdom's third base, Tucker Barnhart's probably their starting catcher, and then Christopher Morell's their starting right fielder. Say Suzuki is currently dealing with an oblique injury, so they're going to try and monitor that and hopefully get him to uh, 100% before they put him out in the field. I agree. I I really like parts of this lineup, but is there's some holes. I really don't there's think Eric Hosmer should be playing on a Major League Baseball team in 2023. Uh, I really don't like that. Tucker Barnhart's a good defensive catcher. And there's just – there's no – star there's no there's no guy that gets up to the plate and you're like dang like i don't feel good about this uh i i just i mean there the there's there's three batters on this team that scare me uh trey mancini has not looked like trey mancini in about a year and a half uh cody bellinger i i don't think i i don't think i i think i could go on the mound and pitch cody bellinger um he's just not not himself anymore um you'd hurt your back. eric hosmer yeah, I probably would, but at least I yeah. Um, 
Eric Hosmer is not that good. As we saw, he had a very flashy sample size at the beginning of the season and then fell off the face of the planet. And then there's two guys at the bottom of this lineup that have very similar, you know, profiles in Patrick Wisdom and Christopher Morell. They both swing and miss a ton. They both have extremely high whiff rates. They strike out a lot. Um, when they hit, it goes it goes far. But, you know, it's just it's something that concerns me, especially with the young players like that. Uh, kind of reminds me of like Javi Baez, who seemed to fall off the planet when their hit tool started to decline a little bit. Mm-hmm. You only wonder what's going to happen. You know, they have no on-base ability, and it, it's a little concerning for guys like Morell and Wisdom. If they can develop some vision at the plate, it'd be a little more scary. But these are guys that are just solely relying on, on their hit tool, and their hit tool will strike out and swing and miss a lot. Yeah, I like Morell's barrel rate, um, I, as you said, like when he hits it, like there's thump there. Uh, he was among some of the better rookies in the National League last year. Obviously, all rookies got outshone by Spencer Strider and Michael Harris, too. But, like, as far as rookies go last year, he wasn't horrible. My concern for him is actually going to be playing time. Um, I think once Eric Hos- once they realize what Eric Hosmer is and they're paying him the league minimum, um, like, they might DFA him or just send him to the bench. Because uh, someone's got to get moved once, say, Suzuki comes back. Uh, and that bench, you got Stabs, you got Jan Gomes. He's a catcher. Uh, Edwin Rios from the Jan Dodgers, <laughs> first and third base. Uh, Edwin Rios was really good in 2019 and 20, but he could just never, like, he, he could never solidify it. Uh, Zach McKinstry, also a former Dodger infielder, outfielder, came over in the Chris Martin deal at the trade deadline last year. What was that, Sims? So every time I watched, every time I watched the Dodgers game, Edwin Edwin Rios would come up to the plate and just hit a bomb it, every mm-hmm. time I watched the Dodgers game, and it annoyed the crap out of me. I was like, "Why?" And I'd normally, because I'm watching, I'm normally watching the Nationals. I'm like, and 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 they're like, Edwin Rios is batting. I'm like, it's a bomb, isn't it? And then it just he just hit it, and I I don't I don't understand how he does it. I think since his first two hundred plate appearances, he had the best home run per fly or home run per plate appearance ratio in MLB history. And then yeah, but he was a he was a platoon bat, right? I mean, I don't even know yeah. if you can call him that. He like, was yeah, a like a sub Yeah. Um, yeah, Zach McKintree came over for Chris Martin, and they've got Nelson Velasquez, who's kind of just an outfield, outfield utility guy. He'll be there when Bellinger gets hurt. Um, that normally happens, Cubs fans. Sorry about that. So does anything stand out to you here? From their bench? No, not really. I mean, again, we've talked about their lineup. It's it's a I think it's a high volatility rating when we get to that. But I, I definitely I'm excited to watch this Cubs team because it's the first time since uh, they had like the first half of 2021 that there was really really good signs and then they kind of fell off the face of the earth. They ended up trading everybody, and now it's kind of I think I think Cubs fans are excited to watch this team if they perform at the the higher end of their ladder it's just a matter of if they're going to do that and say Suzuki being injured already uh, is not a good sign for that so I, I could just go player by player in this lineup I'll go ahead and hate on everyone um Nico Horner is not going to provide much offensive output he might steal a couple of bases for you um Ian Happ it, the hype train you, is gone get somebody Tom Dan, Dansby's going to regress offensively okay. we, we all know he's going to regress offensively um, so you're not going to get the bat that he was last season. You're not going to get the bat that you signed for that much money. Um, Ian Happ, had, the hype train's gone. As I mentioned, he's not good. He's not, he's not, he's a league average bat. He has a power upside. Um, 
Trey Mancini hasn't looked good in a, in a, in a couple of years. He has a good glove, which is surprising that they're putting him at DH, but uh, he plays good first base. Not not good outfield. Not good outfield. But um, Cody Bellinger, no. Eric, I mean, I already covered the bottom half of this lineup. There's going to be so little offensive output. I feel like last season, even the wins that they got were because of this, this like, slight Mickey Mouse run that they had. And I feel like, like, William, Wilson Contreras had a good offensive output season. You know, you got a good offensive season from Nico Horner. Um, you got a good rookie season from Morrell. But I see regression in most of these guys. Like, there's not – I don't think they're going to actually hold down before. And then you look at this rotation and bullpen, and this is one of the worst in baseball. I just don't see how this how this team wins more games than they did last season. Maybe one or two. Um, but without without further ado, I guess you ready to get into predictions. Yes, you can kick it off, Tom. Okay, I have them at seventy-seven and eighty-five. Um, I feel like that's probably right middle of the pack. Uh, I don't think that's their floor. I think that's about middle of the pack, not their ceiling either. Um, for team MVP, I have to go. I have to go with Dansby Swanson. I feel like that's the one guy that's going to be producing on offense. Um, I hope Ian Happ, you know, shows some uh, flashy signs, but I don't. I don't see him doing that. Um, most important player. I think the most important player on this team, God, I, <laughs> I don't know who to pick for this because it, it, everyone's just like below, uh, I think, I think the most important player is getting a repeat season from Christopher Morrell. I feel like if, if he regresses, then the team regresses with him. Um, he was a very good rookie last year. I just hope he can, you know, replicate that season. Um, as for Cy Young, I picked Justin Steele. I, I mentioned him before. He's going to be a good left-handed pitcher. I think he's got the tools to be good. Um, and then for the breakout, I had Hayden, Hayden Wesneski because I feel like he has to be called up by the end of the season. There's just not that much star power in that starting rotation. I feel like he has to get a chance midseason. Interesting. Um, that is – those are picks. Um, for me, I went with 79 and 83. I had them going third uh, in the Central. Um, MVP, Dansby Swanson, that was – I think a given uh, Cy Young. I went with Marcus Stroman. Um, I'm expecting him to have a slight bounce back season, but again, it's not really like, Oh, he's going to be the best pitcher. It, I mean, there's not really a, a solid pick I would say on this from this uh, pitching staff breakout. I have Seiya Suzuki. Um, he had a decent rookie season last year. And I think if he can come back hundred percent healthy from his oblique injury, then I definitely think he will be, uh, he will have a breakout season for Chicago Cubs. Uh, most important is Cody Bellinger. Whether he, whether they are winning or not, uh, doesn't really matter. It's whether Cody Bellinger is good or not. So if they are winning and Cody Bellinger is good, they can hold on to him for the rest of the season. Or if they're not and he's doing good, then they can flip him for some prospects. So I think he is he is the most important piece for the for the Chicago Cubs. You know, I was getting really concerned that you guys just forgot that they had Seiya Suzuki. Um, I think he's going to be their MVP this year. And I don't think that's unreasonable. Um, I think that Dansby Swanson will regress just like logically he'll regress. Uh, Say Suzuki showed really high upside last year and you just never could really get consistent with it. I think this injury isn't that important. They just pulled him from the world baseball classic, like for, like for safety precautions. Um, I, I like Say Suzuki. I for Cy Young and Breakout, I had both Justin Steele and Justin Steele because I I like that and 
I'm concerned about this starting rotation. And even in every concerning starting rotation, there's always like one like shining light. And I think it's going to be him. But speaking of that devil, for the most important, I put the combination of Marcus Stroman and Jamison Tyone. Uh, the, if their they're two and two starter aren't performing, then the Cubs are pretty much screwed. Um, I think that's, that's, that's sugarcoating it. And I think Tom mentioned it. I think the volatility being high, I don't think it's too high in all honesty, because there's not much like they, they, there's not a high ceiling and there's, I think it's an okay team. I, I have them at 78 and 84. Like it's an okay team. It's just mediocrity at its finest. Yes. Yeah, it sounds like the Giants personally. Um, oh man, nope. Um, nah, but I mean, I definitely think I I agree with Brad. I think they have a very very I think not a very very high ceiling, but I think they have a high ceiling and a low floor, a very low floor, if no one performs. Because, I mean, again, like I said, Cody Bellinger, in my opinion, is the most important piece. And if Cody Bellinger doesn't perform at a high level, they're screwed. If Dansby, we again, we all expect a regression offensively, defensively on both sides of the ball. He was in the hundredth percent. He had twenty-one outs above average last season. If he, he's not gonna, he's not gonna repeat that. Like we saw, I think it was to Francisco Lindor. He had twenty-one outs above average in twenty twenty-one, and last year he had fourteen. So there will be a regression on both sides of the ball. Um, Trey Mancini hasn't really been himself in, I'd say, a year and a half ish. Uh, Cody Bellinger hasn't been himself since twenty nineteen. Uh, Eric Hosmer is hasn't been himself since the Royals won the World Series. Um, and then past that, you really are, just have guys that are trying to prove themselves or are working through like what they need to do. Yeah, and Brad, just to go off your point on Seiya Suzuki, I think he will be good. I think one thing that will be detrimental is the fact that this oblique injury, it's not, it's not going to be like something that lingers like pitchers, but I think the fact that he's not going to see Major League pitching and he's not going to be on that opening day roster most likely – well, he's gonna be on the op- he's gonna be on the IL for the opening day. It will definitely hurt him because I think seeing live pitching before opening day is very important. And I don't think see and I think not seeing uh, live pitching for the several weeks leading up to the, it might might be bad for a season. Fair enough. Um, I think I I do think he has very high upside. I agree. For their floor and ceiling, right? If everything goes right, this is like that's what I consider a ceiling, right? Every single thing goes right. This is like an 84 win team. Yeah, it was saying 83, 84. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's just, there's there's no Cy Young winner if everything goes right. There's no MVP if everything goes right. You For every team we've talked about so far, the Nationals, same boat. Like, there's no Cy Young or MVP if everything goes right. The Marlins, there is a Cy Young winner if everything goes right. It happened last year. The Braves and uh, Braves and Mets have both. The Phillies have both, and then we're at the Cubs, and they have neither. And I think that restricts their ceiling, but their floor isn't too low. I think, Stebbs, you said a really low floor. I think this is like a 75-win floor. Like, it's no, a good, I, enough, it's a good enough team where they're not – It's a good enough team where they're not horrible, but it's not a good enough team that they're good. I agree. Tom literally hates every person on this team, so, like – it's just, it's kind of, it's it's annoying to hear you talk me. about them because you're literally just like, they all suck. They don't all suck. Danby Swanson is still, a t- he's a top 10 shortstop in the league. Yeah. Ian just, he, ha- he, did we have Ian? He was, 
Does Ian have him in one of our lists? Okay. I think he was an honorable mention for one of us. Yeah. Um, Nico Horner, he's a good ball player. He's an all-around ball player. Like the and then I mean Cody Bellinger isn't what he used to be, but he's shown some flashes in spring training this season. So I definitely think there is upside. And I think when say a Suzuki comes back, it's going to be very, very helpful. Christopher Morrell is going to be pretty good this season. Like like there's there are pieces on this lineup that will perform at a high level and you're just it's you are only like again it's the same thing with the marlins the marlins you're like oh all these guys can perform at a high level no they're not it's the same with this not all there's, these a, lot, there's a lot more reason there's a lot there's a lot more reason to be excited about the marlins they actually have like reasoning to back up why they're going to be good and not just and hope. i agree with that but what and, and no, no no and let me let me go the cubs have offensive upside their pitching is awful they have no upside pitching wise you cannot win without pitching not only do they have a bad bullpen they have a bad starting rotation so you can have you can have the Braves starting lineup and and, and the Cubs starting pitching and you still probably win like 85 games max this, this team needs pitching just as much as they need bats and they they, they help the batting side but they didn't really pick up pitching I, this is a team that has a floor of 65 wins because if they sell at the deadline, they're going to start playing worse, obviously. they, You know what I'm saying? Like, if they're not playing good at the halfway point, they're going to sell players. And you think they're going to get better after they sell? No, they're going to get worse. I think 65 is too low. You're putting them in Nat's conversation with the 65. Like, well, that's I mean, we wouldn't like have the, the Nats, Nats that average. Well, that's the Nats you, average. We didn't, saw, we didn't do floor and ceiling for the Nats. You saw you saw how, how bad the Nats and the Cubs fell off when they sold the team. You know what I'm saying? Like – so it, and this is like the absolute worst of worst scenarios where they sell the entire team. Um, I mean, and if, at, if we at the happen, deadline. So let's let's assume they are terrible coming yeah. up to the deadline. They're gonna trade Mancini, Bellinger, maybe Jan Gomes, and then some pitching. I don't know what their deals are with the like maybe Brad Boxberger. Um, yeah, yeah. Like, like they're of... not. They're not. And then I mean, Hosmer's gonna get DFA'd. So like. Like, like, there's not really any big pieces to move. Like, you're losing out on Cody Bellinger, who will probably get you maybe a prospect. Um, Trey Mancini, who maybe will get you a prospect. Like, you're not – again, you're expecting these guys to suck, and if they trade at the deadline, they're not going to get much back, and they've already sucked with them. So, like, you think they're, just they're gonna not going to drop off that drastically. I think the issue you're forgetting – is that the Nationals traded away stars? They traded away no Trey Turner, Max Scherzer, Juan Soto. Like those are stars. Yeah, Cody Bellinger literally star. traded their big three. Yeah, and they yeah. still were. They were still a mediocre team last year. They they were still. What did they finish at? Seventy four wins. Seventy four. I want to. See. Yeah, seventy four. Seventy four. Yeah. Yeah, and I feel like they got a little bit better. And a little bit better kind of puts them. I, I let's put seventy four wins as their floor. Same team they were last. I'm year. O- I'm okay with that. I'm I can accept this. Sounds Stavs. good. In honor of Stavs. I love you, I love you, Stavs. No, Gosh. I think. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, did we talk about their ceiling? Right, eighty four. Yeah. Yes. So that gives them that gives them like a a, a medium Ten volatility. Game. You I know, like a medium volatility rating. I think I think the reason I put. High. I would say medium low. Yeah, medium low. Medium low is like impact, right? Like a team like the Marlins has a pretty high volatility because they could either be really good or really bad. Really good being an 86-win team. The Cubs aren't going to be a very good team. And I don't think them a very, very bad team. They kind of just are. 
you know yeah yeah so i i say i would say medium low for the chicago cubs all right thank you all for listening to the four baseball podcast we're gonna be back with not one not two but three more episodes this week just bringing out all of our team profiles projections predictions uh everything baseball and (laughs) and so the next episode we have coming out will be a really interesting one they suck the pirates and reds we will see you all next time on the 4a baseball podcast thank you all for listening all social medias will be in the description below we will see you all next time peace